session of Winning Words, where we speak life to influence others. This is your host, Ross Gelseth. Here we are in mid-November 2023, a year that is rapidly coming to a close. And today, I want to take some time, maybe a few more minutes than we normally have, to discuss uh, a series of lessons that I've been teaching during the course of 2023 to guests and the group that I've been speaking to each time, four times during the year, once a quarter. The theme of the teaching has been lessons in leadership and there's been between 40 and 50 people in the room from a variety of backgrounds, variety of age groups, variety of ethnicity But the topic central to all has been lessons in leadership. So today I'm going to recap that presentation that I made just 10 days ago to a group. Now, why did I choose to embark on this journey of providing this teaching to people? Lessons in leadership. Today's lesson is going to be Life's Most Valuable Lessons. And it's a recap of, in my opinion, those things that I have learned in my life from a multitude of people. I've been blessed in that regard. A multitude of experiences, some great, some okay, some not so good, but you learn from all. You're blessed by it. My background is, I feel at this stage in my life, a young 72-year-old, that I'm qualified to speak to this topic of lessons in leadership and share what it is that I have learned because I have lots of experience. I was born and raised on a farm in North Dakota, learned a lot there, became an educator, a teacher, a head football coach, and a track coach at Powers Lake, North Dakota uh, High School. Then from there, I was able to make cross the bridge to the college football level and became an assistant football coach at North Dakota State University. What a great experience for nine seasons. Worked for two wonderful leaders in Jim Wacker, who gave me the first shot, and then Don Morton, who gave me an opportunity to be a full-time assistant. We had great success there, but great experience. Phenomenal. From there, became the head football coach at the University of Puget Sound. Lots of great memories, established a program there. NEIA, transitioned from NCAA, and it was a a difficult culture that I came into. But we left it much better than we found it nine years later. During that time, I was elected president of the NEIA Football Coach Association two consecutive years. On a national level, I was able to learn and lead. And then in 1993, I became the founding headmaster of Life Christian Academy, the high school component of Life Christian School. I also had the opportunity to serve eight years as an elected official, the Metropolitan Park Board of Commissioners, serving the residents of Tacoma, Washington with all their parks and recreation services. During my 26 years as head of school at Life Christian Academy, we were able to create and establish so much. 
And looking back on it, what a great and blessed experience. Thank you, Fulton Buntain, for calling me out of college football and giving me the opportunity to make influence, make impact in Christian education. But during my tenure in 2004, we also established the Life Christian Foundation, which is that part of our organization at Life Center that raises money for endowment, and that's my current responsibility. Then in 2019, when I transitioned out as head of school, I became the founder of Gelseth and Associates Consulting and Coaching Business, and in 2020, became the author of my first book, Winning Words, Speaking Life to Influence Others. So that's my background, and that's why I feel a little bit qualified to speak to this issue of and this series of teachings on lessons in leadership. One of the keys to life, in my opinion, is to know your personal mission. Why is it every day that you get up and what is your purpose? But most importantly, to define your purpose, define your mission. So if you've not already done so, I really encourage you to craft, adopt, pray through, arrive at a personal mission statement. Here's mine. It's so simple, but it's so important to me every day. My personal mission statement, Ross Joseph, to serve God and people to the best of my ability. And if you follow your mission statement, it's interesting where your path leads. But the good thing is, you know you're on the right path because it's the path you've chosen with your personal mission statement. Again, to serve God and people to the best of my ability. I was thinking about this in preparation for the last presentation of this series. And part of my path, I have led 21 mission trips to various parts of Mexico and the United States. 21 opportunities to lead in the mission field, serving others and modeling servant leadership. So that's just become one part of my life experience, so to speak. So here we go on this session today. Thanks for listening in. Life's most valuable lessons. Life's most valuable lessons. By the way, uh, My wife and I are the grandparents of seven grandchildren. And recently, I had an opportunity to speak at a chapel for grandparents. And the grandchildren were in the room. And there were several hundred there. A couple of uh, quick little uh, uh, quips here that I came up with for that day I want to share with you. In our home, my wife has a little plaque that says, My life purpose is secure hyphen, hyphen. These grandchildren aren't going to spoil themselves. Isn't that cute? And the second one is one that I've uh, used for a long time with audiences, and that is, if I had known grandchildren were this much fun, I'd have had them first. So here we go. Life's most valuable lessons based upon my learnings. If you were to teach this session, what would your learnings be like? What are yours? So the first thing I would speak to is, in life, we have a variety of options. 
We have several influences and audience during the course of our lifetime, all of which, all of who have influences on us. And so if you look at a directional sign, what direction are we to go when it comes to choosing the variety of options we have for our lives? You could choose, for example, a sign that points towards money. You could choose a sign that points towards health. You could choose a sign that says family. You could choose a sign that says work. And those are just four examples. But whatever one of those you choose, you're on your life journey. You're living the life that you have opportunity to live and to get the most out of and to be the most influential to others. But the question when it comes to the variety of options that we have is, then where does your path lead? Where does your path lead? That's an important determination when it comes to life's options and what is it you want to become. So in this teaching, the next thing that I would suggest to you is in choosing your life purpose, your life path, what direction do you go? Where can we turn to to learn? And when it comes to learning, you would be surprised sometimes that learning is meant to be shared. So you can be the recipient of learning or you can give to others. So you give or receive when it comes to learning life experiences. And with that, this can include uh, help for others, help for you, support of others, support for you, getting advice, giving advice, receiving guidance, giving guidance, being available at just the right time, or knowing when you need help at just the right time, information. So many times in life we make errors because we end up not having all the proper information. So a couple of questions I would ask you right now in terms of where you're at with your life journey. What is fresh in your life? What is it you feel you need, need more of? What stage are you in in your life? And I would suggest to, to you that the days that I live at the age of 72 are just as important to me as the days when I was 52 or 32 or 12. But one of the keys is keeping life fresh, being aware of what's needed. What is it you need to motivate you? But then what is it that others need from you? What stage are you in? I think that's a valuable question. For example, I mentioned the grandchildren. Well, I'm at a stage now where my life really is a function of influencing three generations. One, the generation that my wife and I enjoy together. And then the generation that includes our two sons. And the third generation are seven grandchildren. And with that being the case, then I would suggest to you that I'm in a stage where I need to influence by being the best possible me. 
than I can to all three generations, to my wife and my peers in my generation, our generation, and to our sons and their peer group that we connect with, and then lastly, to the grandchildren. And lastly, I say uh, with some degree of humor because grandparents typically drop most anything for their grandparents, for their grandchildren, to make sure grandchildren are getting what they may need, but sometimes it's a function of more than they need. Grandparents can be guilty of that. So I found a quote from Soren Kierkegaard, who was a Danish theologian. He was a poet. He was an author. And he spent his life journey, so to speak, encouraging people in Denmark and beyond to live their life with purpose and to live it out in the name of being the best possible example they could be to others. So to live their life with an outward expression, so to speak, that what they could do to influence and impact others was important and do it at their very best. Here was the quote he, that I found. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Isn't that so true? We can look back and see when things happened and we can, rash, we can, we can figure out sometimes very easily why things happened like they did. If you're a believer, you would say, I saw the hand of God at that point in time in my life. And I look back on it now and see where he led me. The other side of it is, we can understand by looking backwards, but life is meant to be lived forward. So we keep moving forward and we do so best, I believe, because we have established a mission, we know our why, we've asked ourselves the questions, what is fresh, what, what can I best do at this stage of life? So here are the six lessons that I think are most valuable. Number one for me is to trust God's leading. When I talked earlier about the past and the signs that you could look at for direction, number one for me is to follow the path that God provides. For me, that includes my commitment to following what God provides for me. So I've got to be aware every day of my devotional time, my prayer time, and what I call my sanctuary time. My sanctuary time is that place where I hear best from God. You know, we look at prayer and we think so many times, in so many cases, we think of prayer as, well, that's me speaking to God. The real essence of prayer is receiving and listening. And I believe you need to find a place. For me, it's when I'm working in my yard, in my landscape, on my lawn, in my bushes, trimming flowers, trimming roses. I hear best the voice of God in that place. And that's why I call that my sanctuary time. Now, when it comes to following the path that God provides, I would suggest to you that you need to stay on the path until he changes the path. 
I had an interesting experience in 1986. I'd been the head football coach at the University of Puget Sound for two years. Two really good seasons. At the end of the second season, near the end of the second season, I had an opportunity to rejoin Don Morton, but this time he was going to get the head football job at the University of Wisconsin in the Big Ten. I'm not going to give you all the details, but we prayed over the opportunity. We had had two really good years at the University of Puget Sound. I was excited about our third year, maybe our best year ever coming ahead. And we were, I was happy being a head coach. And we had found a faith journey in Tacoma as well at Life Center, our church. And so it was difficult, but we prayed over it and decided I would take the position. Opportunity to coach in the Big Ten, opportunity to advance my career, improve salary, all of those things. But you know what? At the end of the second day, after prayer with my wife, Ronnie, we decided that was not the path that God wanted us on. And so it was difficult for me, but I went in and talked to Don Morton in the hotel, and I said, Coach, I just don't feel like this is the place I'm meant to be. So that was an opportunity, when I look back now, as Soren Kierkegaard said, to see God's hand in it, because little did I know that I would go back to Tacoma, get my job back at the University of Puget Sound, but in the providence of God, seven years later, leave college football and become the head of school at Life Christian Academy. And that was my journey for 26 years. So, one, trust God's leading. Number two, leadership is the essence of life. Number two, leadership is the essence of life. And by that, I simply mean Take responsibility for yourself. Personal leadership precedes any kind of group leadership. Personal leadership precedes any kind of organizational leadership, any kind of corporate leadership, any kind of group leadership. So take responsibility for yourself. The better you take care of leading yourself, the better you'll lead others. And as a person, I can share with you so many cases where I've been so blessed because I grasped the opportunities that came to me personally. Professional, family, community, lots of different arenas. But I would encourage you to grasp the opportunities. And grasping opportunities is a function of leadership because leaders have a distaste for the status quo. Leaders have a distaste for the status quo. They want to advance. They want to improve. They want to make decisions. And part of that is the decision to grasp opportunities. With opportunities comes opportunity to learn and learn from others and your life becomes enriched but your life also becomes a part of the journey and it's a journey that you've helped choose because opportunities are choices. So leadership is the essence of life. Number three, goals provide direction and motivation. Three noteworthy bullet points. 
Dream big, set goals, take action. Dream big. You've got to have a dream. What's your next big dream? You cannot be effective with the dream you had 10 years ago or five years ago. You need a next big dream. Secondly, set goals. Set goals in alignment with your dream. Because otherwise, it's just a thought. It's not really a dream because you're doing nothing about it. But setting goals, which includes timing, establish time parameters to your goals so that you fully understand the significance of whatever actions are necessary. If your goal is to accomplish being a better painter, and you don't establish a time frame to it, whenever you get to it, it will be fine because you're not bound by a time frame. If your goal instead is to be a better painter by the end of one year, then that time frame defines your actions because your actions have to pick up in order to accomplish the goal within a year. So three things on goals. Dream big, set goals, and then take action. You probably heard the expression, the first step in the journey is the most important step. Start moving. Take action. What are your goals? Number four in this lesson, life's most valuable lessons. Hard work precedes success. Hard work precedes success. Hard work from Ross Jelsa's perspective, is a day-to-day focus. Your tomorrow is the result of your work today. We reference dreams. Dreams don't work unless you do. But your tomorrow is the result of your work today. Look at a work, work week of five days a week, for example, Monday through Friday. If you want to accomplish some goal by Friday, in my humble opinion, people, you must work Monday through Thursday. You cannot expect to meet your goals on Friday if you haven't done anything Monday through Thursday. Hard work is fundamental. I coached high school and college football for 36 years. Emphasize the fundamentals of the game of football to players Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Fundamentals are important. Fundamentals are the tools by which the game is successfully played, successfully coached. Life is the same. Hard work is fundamental to success. You cannot have success, in my opinion, success of any importance, any value, unless you're willing to work hard. Number five. You've got to have a strong belief in yourself. Now, I mentioned that number one spoke to having faith in God and following the path that he has you on or has me on. That's important. But you've probably heard the analogy, you can if you think you can. I would suggest to you strongly that you got to have a strong belief, a strong degree of confidence in yourself. 
I saw, I found an expression in preparation for this lesson. The fuel of life is belief in self. The fuel, i.e. putting gas in the tank. The fuel of life is belief in self. You've got to believe in yourself. You're braver than you think. You're more talented than you know. And you're capable of more than you can imagine. In too many cases, we don't follow those simple affirmations. You're braver than you think. You're more talented than you know. And you're more capable than you can imagine. Those are all affirmations. Instead, our self-talk devalues us. No, I don't think you can do it. No, you're not good enough. You don't have that kind of skill. So on. The second part of strong belief in yourself is surround yourself with people who believe in you. And for God's sake, stay away from people that devalue you. Stay away from people that are content where they are in life. Surround yourself with people who believe in you, who will put air in your balloon. If you look at a balloon that has not had air put in it, it's just laying there. And you'll continue to lay there until someone picks it up and moves it. But when someone puts air in the balloon, the balloon rises. And you nor I can determine how high that balloon is going to go. How many feet, how many yards, how many miles that balloon will go? Where will it end up? It's so much, so applicable to life. People who believe in you are going to put air in your balloon. And as a result, you will begin climbing the mountain of life. Because you can do it. You can do it. So you can if you think you can. But a strong belief in yourself is number five. Number six is the power of perseverance. Nothing grows on the mountaintop. Everything grows in the valley. I got that expression from Bob Lucy, who was a longtime head football coach at Curtis High School in the state of Washington. Very, very successful. And when I wrote my book, Winning Words, which has almost 700 quotes from leaders and coaches in the book, Bob shared that one with me. Nothing grows on the mountaintop. Everything grows in the valley. Let's dig a little bit deeper. Valley experiences are those times when we've got to persist in doing something despite difficulty or delay. Valley experiences are those times in life when we've got to continue to give effort to do or achieve something even though there's been failure in the past, there's current difficulties, there's opposition, you can feel it. We all know when we're pushing uphill, but you know what? When we're in the valley, that's when we keep on giving the effort. Another definition of perseverance is steady persistence on a course of action or purpose. And you know what, people? Your purpose will help you continue in this effort. Why? Because you want it. And think through this. 
valley mountains. Nothing grows on the mountain, and yet life is climbing a mountain. Life is climbing the the ladder of achievement. Life is effort towards higher goals, higher ground. But when we get to higher ground, we can look back, as we talked about earlier in this session, and we can see the direction, but we can also see that we grew when we were in the valley. And because we grew, look what happened to us. We achieved that mountain climbing, so to speak. We kept on. So the power of perseverance is so, so important. Anything easy, anybody can do. But the more difficult the challenge, the greater the level of power of perseverance. Increased perseverance equals increased outcomes. And the last most valuable lesson that I think is the essence of life is building and sustaining relationships. Life that we have as human beings on this planet called Earth, life is meant to be relational. There's four components. One is to have relational life. We've got to create new relationships. At the age of 72, Ross Jelseth needs to be creating new relationships. Second is sustaining relationships. If I don't sustain relationships that I've had for the past 20 years, I cannot expect those relationships to improve. Number three, regarding building and sustaining relationships. Someone has to go first. Someone has to go first. In every relationship, even in the relationships where there's some sticky points, where there's some challenges, someone has to go first to engage in the relationship, to work through the problem in the relationship, the challenge that you're confronting. Someone has to be the lead in that regard. And the last point relative to relationships is nothing gets better by neglect. Nothing gets better by neglect. If we think the thought we can call a friend, then we got to make the call. But if we neglect to make the call, then we certainly can't expect that we're going to reach the friend. We'll never know how they're doing. We'll never take a step towards sustaining or improving the relationship. So nothing gets better by neglect. In my book, and this afternoon I have an opportunity to speak to a group of students that are enrolled in a program called Student Leadership Institute. They're learning how to be leaders. And we're going to talk about respect and honoring others. It's about relationship. But one of the things we're going to talk to them about, be where your feet are. In relationships, it's imperative that you're present where your feet are. Which simply means where you're at in a given location, when you're interacting with people, concentrate on those people. Concentrate on what they're saying. Look them in the eye. Listen intently. 
learn. Let them share with you, then you share back. But the person in front of you is the most important person at that moment. And a simple reminder, be where your feet are. So many times in life, we end up thinking and daydreaming about something else when in fact, our feet are right below us, there. But we're drifting off somewhere else. And people that we're trying to grow a relationship, they can tell when that's happening. They can tell when you're not paying attention. They can tell when you're bored. They can tell, they can tell when you're not focused. So those are the seven of what I call life's most valuable lessons. Those seven principles are the essence of what I see as life best lived. One, trust God's leading. Number two, leadership is the essence of life, personal responsibility. Number three, goals provide direction and motivation. Number four, hard work precedes success. Number five, you must have a strong belief in yourself. Number six, the power of perseverance. You've got to persevere. Nothing grows on the mountaintop. Everything grows in the valleys of life. And the last, building and sustaining relationships. So as I close this, as I mentioned, we're coming to the end of this year. I hope that this podcast helps you better understand the life that you live, but most importantly, helps you live a better life ahead. That's the essence of speaking life to others. That's the essence of my book, Lessons in Leadership, which is available at coachspeakslife.com or on Amazon. Again, thanks for listening in today to this series and this last lesson, Life's Most Valuable Lessons. God's best to you. Enjoy the rest of 2023 and plan for a great year in 2024.